Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermon. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Listen, gang, this morning is going to be amazing. Don't y'all like coming to church? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, in a few minutes, we're going to have some more awesome opportunities to worship together as a family. But we're also going to have the opportunity today to hear some incredible testimonies that I hope and pray that will encourage you and bless you. We're going to take communion today as a family. So, listen, I just encourage you. to just lean in. I believe somebody's life's going to be changed today. I believe God wants to move in supernatural ways, but it's going to require us to have faith and to lean in. Amen? So let's do that. Listen, I want to get the ball rolling this morning by reading a portion of Scripture. We'll throw it up on the screen. It's Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. It says this. says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It's 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It says, Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple called Gate Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Get this, every day for years after year after year, right, that he was put there to beg for money. It says when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. He asked for alms, like alms for the poor. He asked for a change. Can somebody say change? Change. It says in verse 4, it says, Peter looked straight at him and as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something, some money, some change from them. It says, then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Be changed. Amen. This says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. Y'all grab a hold of that. That literally Peter stretched out his hand. That was Peter's part. That was Peter's face. But notice that the guy that was on the ground, he had to extend his own faith to grab Peter by the hand. The two had to come together. And then it says, taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Somebody said he was changed. He was changed. It says in verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts walking. And then he started jumping and praising God with all the people saw him. When all the people saw him walking and praising God. Or we could say when all the people saw him testifying about what God had done for him. It says in verse 10, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, asking for money, begging for change. And it says, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Amen. Listen, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that portion of scripture, but when I read it, I picture a man that literally sat by a gate for year after year after year. And more than likely, uh, there came a point where this guy ran out of hope. Like I can kind of see him at his breaking point, coming to the end of his rope, actually telling himself, man, you're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to be this way for the rest of your life. You're going to be nothing more than a crippled man who has to beg people for money just to survive. But then I wonder, just at the same time, could it be possible that this man, even if it was just for a split second, maybe had a glimmer of hope that something could change? Right? And then I just wonder, man, those two opposing thoughts, right? That that one side that you'll always be this way versus, man, there's a possibility for a supernatural miracle. Like, what kind of tension did that create inside of him? 
Is it always going to be this way? But just maybe God will do something. See, with that in mind, I just sit back and I go, man, I can't help but to wonder, is there anybody in here this morning that knows what it's like to feel that tension? That even you, maybe today, are in a spot where you're wondering, man, is it always going to be this way? But just maybe there's this glimmer of hope that you're holding on to, to just think, man, maybe Jesus will do something. Amen? So fortunately for this guy, as he was laying there beside the gate called Beautiful, uh, it would appear to me he asked the right two fellows for help. Right? Like he asked two guys that knew what it was like to be with Jesus. And those two fellows, because they had been with Jesus, because they were filled with the Holy Ghost, they, they had a, a power inside of them that could only come from God, a life-changing power that this man desperately needed. So obviously when the guy asked for some help, Peter reached out and he touched him. And in that moment, what happened was, is there was a transfer from heaven through Peter that hit that man and caused him to be healed. That's a good day. Amen. And it says that obviously he was made whole and, and uh, just as we read, you know, in, in my language, the dude went bananas, right? He went crazy. He got excited and did exactly what Daniel 4.2 says. Please don't miss this verse because this is what we're about to do. It says in Daniel 4.2, he said, I want you all to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. Come on, can we make that scripture personal today? That we would be a people that's so full of what God has done that we could say, I want you all. I want everybody to know about the miraculous signs and wonders the Most High God has performed for me. So what did this guy do? He did what so many people have done in years past. You know, anybody that's been saved, that's been healed, that's been delivered, been set free, whatever wording you want to give to it, they've been, you know, basically radically changed by the glory of God. What did he do? He declared and he testified to everyone about what God had done in his life. That's what we're about to do. So I want to invite at this moment two amazing women. They come up here and just kind of hang. And uh, these, if there's anybody that I know that knows what it's like to struggle with that tension between is it always going to be this way or versus God, are you going to do something? These two amazing women. So if you can, welcome. This is Miss Rebecca Vineyard and this is Rosella Harding. Rebecca's going to go first. So when I was a toddler, I um, was diagnosed with seizures, and I was having, or could potentially have up to 100 seizures a day, and so we tried different things to um, get them under control, to, or to ultimately stop them, different diets, different medications, and we even um, just tried anything out there that was possible, and in the midst of it, we're praying for healing and asking the Lord to do the miraculous. But um, growing up into high school, um, I dealt with a lot of shame and embarrassment from it. And praying, would go, go to prayer sessions, would ask people for healing and would believe the Lord for healing and it would never happen. And I just never understood why. And I began to believe the lie that I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't special enough to Jesus. He didn't care about me. He doesn't love me enough to do this because I would see him do it for other people, but never me. And honestly, my faith had died in some ways where I felt that tension of like, I know he can do it, but I just, I just don't think he'll do it for me. Fast forward. Um, 
to 2018. I was 19 at the time, and um, I finally found a medication that worked. And it was a big deal because it was only one of two options that we had left before we had tried everything out there. And um, so it worked, and I was excited. And um, seven months later, the doctor cleared me to drive. But I dealt with just the fear of what if I relapse, like that unbelief of I know the Lord can do it, and he did it in some way, but it just wasn't what I thought it would look like. Um, so fast forward to 2021, I was looking at going to the Mountain Gateway Academy for 2022 and was praying for healing. And the Lord told me that if you want healing, you have to go. I was like, okay. So I joined the Academy within my first two weeks there. We were in a Sunday service and the guest speaker was talking about this lady who had been healed from she was blind and she was healed and I remember sitting in the crowd and began to cry because I felt the desperation of how I wanted that I wanted Jesus to touch me and in a moment my life would change that I would never have to deal with this anymore um, so I went up for prayer and I was crying and in that service the Lord delivered me from a spirit of from the fear of that attached to my seizures but he also asked me to come off my medication and that was hard because it was like, but this is the one thing that I have that allows me to live this life, and now you're asking me to give it up. And the Lord was like, do you trust me? And so I made the decision to come off my of medicine. Fast forward a little bit of time. I'm in Maine, and I was feeling so full of faith and confidence that I would come off my medicine and I would have no seizures. Like, to the point, I didn't even wean my body off. I just cold turkey. Um, and within two days, I was back on my medication. And I remember walking in to service that morning and feeling so discouraged and defeated. And feeling like, like, Lord, why would you ask me to do that and then not, not do it? Like, I know you can. And I was in that tension of, I know he can do it, but will he do it for me? Like, I was confused and just discouraged. And um, it was a process, but the Lord encouraged me. And I felt his presence. And I knew that he was proud of me for just taking that small step and saying yes to him. And then it was a few weeks later, he asked me to come off my medicine again. I was like, really struggling through it. And I wrestled with this for about a month. And he brought me to this verse, it's Matthew 17, 20, and it says, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain move from here to there, and it will move, for nothing will be impossible for you. And so the Lord was telling me that you don't have to have this big faith, this size of a mountain to see things happen. It just takes, like, the smallest amount and if you've ever seen a mustard seed it's like microscopic like it's really small and that was like encouraging to me to the point where I was like okay so I decided to come off of it again and it was hard it was not anything what I thought it would look like and it there were days where I didn't want to get out of bed and the Lord um, spoke to me about community during this aspect because of the shame and embarrassment I have dealt with for years around it like just not wanting people to know and the Lord gave me a vision of me sitting on the floor 
and just not wanting to get up and feeling defeated and two people coming beside me and helping me up off the floor and carrying me through it because what I didn't know was that was needed because later on when it would be really hard and I wouldn't want to get out of bed and I felt discouraged that I would need to borrow their faith, that I would need their help and reminders just to remind me of the promise that the Lord had made to me and to remind me that he's still good in the midst of it and he's still going to carry me through and that he's trustworthy. So fast forward to summer, June, I was off all medication and since June of last year, I've been seizure free and I'm healed in Jesus name. So I'm here to encourage you today that if you feel like that, like you feel discouraged, you don't know if the Lord will do it, if your faith feels dead, that the Lord can revive it. You just need to press in. And sometimes we have to rely on those around us to help us in those moments. And community is vital to that. So don't give in, don't give up. The Lord is faithful and he will keep his promises to us. Good morning. Um, I think to understand my healing, um, you have to be able to understand what it is that God's healed me from. And the best way that I can explain it would probably be from a broken heart. Um, As a child, abandonment, abuse, these are words that I experienced. And they left wounds deep on my soul that I didn't realize how deep and hurtful they were. And as a teenager, I experienced a trauma where I believed I was going to be killed. And I experienced what it felt like to not be killed, but wish that you had been, because it would have been easier than trying to live after that. And after that traumatic moment, six months later, I was a 16-year-old who was pregnant with no family support. So brokenhearted um, really kind of describes that. And in 2006, when I moved to Maine, um, I had moved here after a really terrible marriage. And my son and I had only been in the state a few weeks. And to just put it into perspective, he was four years old and he had spilled a glass of milk. And our instant reactions was that he cowered and I covered his body with my body. And the person in the room with us just kind of looked at us like we were crazy. So in 2009, I married my current wonderful husband up there and when we got married yes when we got married um, you can tell someone your story but those of us who know what that have experience with that broken heart in us you can tell someone the story but they may not understand it until they're living with it I had horrible nightmares that would wake him up terrified for me and I had irrational fears that would hit who knows when. Um, It is true to say that I had PTSD and I didn't even fully realize what that meant, but even my son at a young age knew, hey, if you don't answer the phone when mom calls, she thinks you're dead. And she believes it and it stresses her out and sends her into a tizzy. And memory issues. Just my my brain works different. um, And difficulty remembering chunks of my past. All of this, you know, and and now I'm married and I've brought all this, all of this brokenheartedness has been brought into my marriage and we're blending a family and that's not always easy. And we're two people who 
have struggles that are now learning to live together, and that's not always easy. And so we went through some really difficult times in our marriage. But the thing is, we both love Jesus. And so even through those difficult times, we stayed together, but it was hard. And there was just always this something else that there was always something that felt like it was in the way of me trying to, to heal. I would go to counseling. I got some good counseling, but we would start to get deep into that pit and I would back out and just kind of gloss over it and just keep doing life and keep serving Jesus and keep running after Jesus, but at the same time, not making time for Jesus to really sink in there. And in 20, 2019, 2018, my son was a senior. He had his own car. And as a mom, you know, you spend a lot of your time and energy and effort pouring into your child and needing to be there for your child. And suddenly he didn't need me as much. He didn't need me to take him to school or take him to practice. He didn't need me to take him to work. And then he was going away to college, and I didn't realize how hard that was going to be. Um, 2018 is the first time I wrote in my journal, I think I'm drinking too much. And I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell my husband because I felt like, you know, alcohol is not a sin. I just need to do better. And by 2020, I can't tell you how much I was drinking because I don't even know because I was hiding it. And I told nobody. I had, I had a very good mask. But... I would come, we had started coming here to the anchor that summer, and there was the song, We've Won. And I remember standing over there and Jen singing, and I could not sing, and I would just stand and silently cry because I was so just lost. And it was that November that I gave up alcohol for Jesus because he had made it very clear. The Holy Spirit was making it very clear. I'm asking you to give this up for me. And I fought him for months. And I think about the rich young ruler, that, that scripture, in a totally different way now. When he goes to Jesus and he says, what am I lacking? And Jesus says, go and sell all your possessions, give to the poor and come follow me. Sometimes I think of it now, Jesus is saying, go and give up the one thing so that you can come follow me. And for me, it was alcohol. Give up this one thing so that you can come follow me, so that you can be healed. And my story, that was the first step. And the night that I gave up alcohol, the night that I surrendered and submitted, told my husband, um, to Rebecca's point about community, I told my closest friends, I was just completely honest because it's hard to let light shine into dark places, and I did. And the very next day, Tammy came and prayed with me, and she had no idea about this, this alcohol situation, but I remember in that prayer, specifically at one point, just praying that my cup would be overflowed with his living water, and that image just stays with me all the time. So how do I tell you that God heals a broken heart? After giving up alcohol, there were just these moments. God, over the last two years, he has me on a healing journey. He has healed, and he is healing me. And it's things that I would not have been able to experience if I wouldn't gotten, have gotten rid of that one thing he was asking me to get rid of so that I could follow him, you know, so that I could be healed, so that I could start to take hold of the abundant life that he has to offer. Because when he asks us to give up that one thing, it's because that's why he's asking us to do that, so that we can be healed. I don't have, you know, my husband and I were talking about it yesterday. We can't remember the last time I had one of those horrible nightmares. And I don't immediately think you're dead if you don't respond to me on a phone call. Like, I don't go there anymore. And I can't tell you how freeing it is. And the last time that I had, 
any sense of anxiety or anxiety attack, it, I was able to recognize that it was directly from the enemy. And it was at the marriage conference here. I was just overcome at the lunch. And I told my husband, pray for me. I don't know where this is coming from. I'm, I'm fueled with anxiety. And he prayed for me. We couldn't figure it out. And it was like the very next session, the speaker said something. And I felt like she looked directly at me when she said it. And it was like I was just hit because it was God bringing me to that next level of healing. And I can tell you since that day, I haven't looked in the mirror and thought I was worthless. And I haven't looked in the mirror and thought I'm just damaged because I'm on a process of healing. And so um, I was looking at scriptures this morning and one of the ones that I looked at was Matthew 9, 28 with, when Jesus, he encounters the two blind men and he asked them, do you believe I can do this? And I'm here to tell you that there is no trauma too big. There's no addiction too great. Yes, he can. And in John 5, 6 with the man for the first time I noticed in my Bible, it, it said he was a disabled man for 38 years. And guys, I know that this is an amazing God thing because I just turned 39 this week. Okay. And he asked the man, do you want to get well? And so whether God's just asking you to give something up for him or if he's asking you today, do you want to get well? My hope and my heart is that you will hear that he can and he will. Thank you. Come on, how many of you guys know God's in the house when a woman admits her age in front of everybody? <laughs> Jesus is here. Come on. Somebody say life change. So listen, if you can, stand to your feet. I, I want to I take a risk here. Hey, can you throw Psalm 103 up for me, please? Thank you. So can everybody see that? Got your glasses on. We're going to try to read that together. Y'all think we can do that? I told you it was risky. So we're going to try this, okay? So here we go. We're going to start from the top. One, two, three. Read with me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Come on, somebody. Listen, from a place of gratitude, I want us to sing together in unity with one heart, one accord, just gratefulness to God, this song, and we'll be right back. Let's sing together. Oh, He reigns, He reigns, He reigns forever. He reigns, He reigns, He reigns forever. He reigns. name is Jesus, the ruler of everything. His name we say. Oh, His name is Jesus, the ruler of everything. 
Come on, can we give Jesus a shout of praise? Let me read a verse to you here, Mark 16. It says, Later Jesus appeared to the eleven as they sat at the table. Watch this. And he rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen because they didn't believe those who testified. Then it says in verse 15, And he said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Somebody say, will follow. follow. It says, in my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That means they will be healed. Then it says in verse 19, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And it says, as they went out, obviously obeying, preaching everywhere, watch this, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs or miraculous signs, as other translations say. And then the book of Mark ends with, Amen. Amen. This is the main thing I want to highlight very quickly here is this, is I don't know about you, but the church that I got drugged to occasionally when I was a kid, um, they basically taught that that. Uh, Jesus was still up to us going in all the world and preaching the gospel, but somehow he forgot the rest of what he said. Like they believed we should go preach, see people get saved. They believed in discipling people, but the whole back end, they act like Jesus changed his mind. And I want you to know today that guess what? Two things. A, uh, guess what? All that still happens together. They all go hand in hand together. It is the fullness of the gospel. The second thing I want us to realize is this, is guess what? Is he is still interesting and moving in Maine that way. Amen. So to maybe just kind of give you a few testimonies that connect with that scripture, I, I want to invite uh, Sean Anderson to come up, and I want to invite uh, Miss Sarah Seals to come up. Sarah's going to talk to us first, and then Sean's going to share what Jesus done with his life. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so... Um, I have been so incredibly blessed to know Jesus for a very long time. Um, I got saved when I was four years old, and my story is one of a little girl who was madly in love with Jesus. Um, But I was very, very, very sick growing up and dealt with a bunch of different kinds of sicknesses. Um, And then the older I got, I start to feel, or I started to feel that tug of like, wait, Jesus, I know your word says that you're a healer. Are you actually healer? So fast forward, I was in eighth grade. I had actually just started my eighth grade. This was literally the first week of school. And I remember walking around the halls of my school and realizing that there was something wrong in my body. And as that day progressed, the sight in my right eye began to diminish and with it came this incredible pain. Since I had dealt with a lot of sickness in my life and my family was kind of used to it, I didn't really say anything when I got home. I remember going and sitting down at the piano and I started playing and I started worshiping Jesus. But I was so overcome with pain and I was so overcome with fear because by, that, by the time that I had gotten home, I could hardly see out of my right eye. And so my mom 
came up to me and I, I could tell that she realized that this was serious. So immediately she took me to an eye doctor who sent me to another eye doctor, who sent me to a neurologist, who sent me to an oncologist. I went through several different doctors before we realized that I had multiple sclerosis. And it was so progressive that they told me that I probably wouldn't make it to 18. And they were, they told me that it was only gonna be a matter of days before that eye was completely gone. And so I remember, of course, you know, a little eighth grade girl, I remember thinking, but wait, Jesus, you said you're healer. And depression came over my house. My dad couldn't get out of bed because he was so upset. I'm the oldest of five, but I'm the oldest, I'm the only girl. And my dad was just distraught with depression over this. And I remember one day he was still in bed. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon and I climbed in bed with him and I told him, Daddy, I'm gonna serve Jesus no matter what. Cause he's still my healer. Even if I don't experience it now, even if I don't experience it until I get to heaven, he's my healer and I'm gonna be okay. So after that, we went to another doctor because we were trying to determine if there was anything that we could do to help. So we went and saw another doctor and this was gonna be the, um, the most intense testing that I had had done. So I remember the nurses telling me, okay, I've gotta do this IV and we've gotta shoot some dye into your blood and oh, by the way, you're gonna bleed blue. <laughs> and that was the only way that they could <laughs> convince me to stick a needle in my body. And so I remember just like trembling with this, like what is this gonna reveal, you know? And so I, was sitting back in the room and the doctor came in. This was like two and a half hours later. We had gone and gotten lunch and come back. And so we're sitting in this doctor's office and he comes in with this look of terror on his face. And my dad's shaking and I'm shaking. And the doctor says, we did all the scans and there's nothing there. And I kid you not, no sooner than he said it's not there anymore did my eyesight fully come back. And so obviously I knew right in that moment, Jesus, you really are a healer. Now, my faith journey didn't end there. I still faced so much sickness. I'm a 33-year-old woman, and I have had 16 surgeries, six of which have been major surgeries. Um, And so it was the month that my husband and I started dating. Um, I was going in to have a procedure done, and I'm laying on the operating table. I was so confused by this. I had no, I was like, why is this happening to me? But I'm laying on the table. It's going to be like a 20, 30-minute procedure, and the doctor comes in with the same look of terror that I remembered seeing when I was an eighth grade girl. Only this time she reveals to me that I have cervical cancer and she has got to take 
most of my cervix out. And my mom was with me, and I remember looking at my mom in this weight. She's like, it's going to be okay. And I had just lost three of my four grandparents to cancer. So this was a shock to my system. So I go in, what was going to be 20, 30 minutes turned into three hours of them trying to carefully remove this cancer. And I can say thankfully that they were able to remove all of it, but what they took with it was my ability to have children. When I was four years old, Jesus promised me that I was going to be a mom. And so I actually found out the week of my wedding after trying to see what could be fixed after this terrible surgery, because this was months later. And they told me, Sarah, you're never going to have kids. And I said, but wait, God told me I was going to be a mom. So then, of course, I start thinking through adoption and I start thinking through fostering. And I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to be a mom. You promised me I was going to be a mom. And so almost a year into our marriage, by surprise, we got pregnant. And I was like, wait. <laughs> and I remember for three days, just like, oh, like, oh Jesus. Um, and it was incredible. God had shown me that was, what was not supposed to work was working. This body that was taken away from was working. Now, unfortunately, a few weeks later, we found out that we had miscarried. And once again, here I am at the foot of the cross. Jesus, you told me that I was going to be a mom. And he told me, he's like, I've got this one. I've got this one. Just you wait. And not even a year later, I was pregnant with my oldest son, and we now have four. And there are six, five, four, and two. Jesus, help me. (laughs) And so God restored to me what the enemy was trying to take away. And I can say with full certainty that Jesus never leaves us or forsakes us. And what the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus comes and he gives us life and he gives us life abundant. And so my verse from that moment of facing death, Sarah, you're not going to make it to 18 years old. I said, no, I'm going to live and I'm going to live for Jesus. And once again, I'm faced with Sarah, you're never going to have kids. Your body's always going to be broken. And I said, no, I'm going to live, and I'm going to live for Jesus. And Jesus gave me this verse as a little child, and I have clung on to it with everything inside of me. And it says in Romans, they conquered him. They conquered the enemy completely through the blood of the lamb and the powerful word of his testimony. I don't even know how I follow all three of those, uh, but I'm going to try. First, I just want to thank PQ, and I want to thank, most importantly, my wife, Angelica, who's in the back, who probably is blushing right now, but she's the grace to my grit. So I want to read a scripture to you. Ezekiel 36, 26 
says, then I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a heart of flesh. But before that, if you look at 22, therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I am doing it to protect my holy name on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. I will show you how holy my great name is, the name on which you brought shame among the nations. And when I reveal my holiness through you before their very eyes, says the sovereign Lord, then the nations will know that I am the Lord, for I will gather you up from all the nations and bring you home again to your land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit on you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. So I could tell you how I got 14 years sober, but I'm not going to. I could tell you how my wife with our first kid lost more blood than the doctor thought that she needed to due to a hemorrhage and probably needed a blood transfusion, but instead he had that blank stare and said all you need is a couple iron pills. I could tell you how we gave once to uh, a member of this church when we couldn't really afford to give and somebody who I'm pretty sure doesn't even know the Lord and I haven't spoke to in about 10 years multiplied that when we were in need and I didn't even tell anybody, not even my wife. I could tell you how somebody got a word from God in this church about somebody with a right knee issue, and specifically that was me, and my knee's fine, but I'm not going to tell you about that. Instead, I'm going to tell you how at the intentional father class, we had uh, a handful of men lay hands on me and uh, break bonds, and prior to them laying those hands on me, uh, I was hungry for speaking in tongues because I've been to places and I've heard people think and I was skeptical but like I just said God if you can do this I want that and I've been coming to this church for six years PQ and Jen are the first people we met in Maine and we're still here and uh and um and I just wanted more and and I kept on peeling the onions off that liminal space Garrett just kept getting higher and higher and higher and, uh, and these guys prayed over me. They laid hands on me, and, and it had me shaken, and it had me humbled, and they broke bonds that I had been holding on to from when I was super young. And even in marriage, even as a father, like super difficult bonds to deal with. And it just had me shaken, and I woke up, and the next day, I still wasn't speaking in tongues. And uh, so I went to work, and I work in the field of public education, and I sit in a small little box and I have a dual screen and I have a stand-up desk and we know if you've been paying attention to the news, public education is a hard place to some days hear God. And um, so on my dual screen, I'm typing away at, at the paperwork that I need to do and I'm listening to the upper room who happens to be a guy on the upper room who I've never heard before talk about speaking in tongues. And then he goes, hey, you know, this may sound weird, but we're going to break into spontaneous worship and worship in tongues. And when he said that, they played. And instantly, boom, dropped to my knees. I felt paralyzed. But I 
felt the Holy Spirit to the point where like, and so just as any other person in this room probably would do, I ignored it, right? I tried to pull myself up, couldn't. I tried to push myself up off the ground, I couldn't. And I didn't know what was happening except I knew that it wasn't me. And so I said, Lord, and then boom, just tongues, just speaking to myself and God, and it was between me and God and nobody else, and I was like all over the place, like just, I couldn't even tell you what I said except that I know God heard me, and then I know it wasn't coming from me, and that I wasn't faking it, and it was coming from the Holy Spirit, and and then you know how like, and this happened for like seven minutes, and you know how in YouTube, if you don't have the premium account, it gives you a commercial? Well, the commercial came on, and just like that, I was able to stand again. And, and so, so I got up, and, and I, I FaceTimed PQ, and I said, hey, this happened. And he said, hey, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And yeah, I, it just... And like for the longest time, I looked at that Ezekiel 36, 26 part where I'm giving you a new spirit and putting a new heart in you. But I never read the second part, 27. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. And before I close, I just wanted to read this one scripture that I felt like God was um, just put on my heart to talk to you about. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Amen. Y'all, I can't tell you how much I love that man right there. It's so awesome. Like like you said, six years ago, we met him at a cafe, him and Angelica, before they got married uh, down in Rockland. And to see them come to the church, and I'll put it in my words, think we're nuts. And uh, and to see God just like blow the doors off. I, you know, I, what, I, what I appreciate about them is they stayed the course. And, um, you know, we're open and hungry and let God speak to him. And even it's funny during that small group night, uh, you know, he's like, hey, I want this. I said, that's great, but we're not praying for you about that. We're going to pray for this instead. And then to watch Jesus do it the next day. Uh, how many of you, I just said, how many of you guys know, uh, I'm sorry, Sean, I'm going to say the school you work at. But, but when somebody works at Oceanside High School and they're just tapping away on the computer and the Holy Ghost drops a bomb on them, that's a good day love stuff like that because it's not coerced it's not a show it's not it's just god doing what god does amen amen listen you did so great uh reading that other scripture with me i got one more for you let's do this together let's let's do this one two three jesus said the things which are impossible with men are possible with god man you just heard it amen amen we're gonna move into a time of communion with one another so If you didn't receive one of these on your way in, you can raise your hand and somebody will bring you one. There we go. (laughs) So when we are taking communion, what Jesus is asking us to do is to remember, 
to remember what he's done for us. Not just to remember his death, but also the resurrection that brings us the ability to walk in freedom. That brings us the gift of healing. That opens up the doors for what you were hearing these testimonies today to say, well, how is that possible? It's possible because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. So he says, I want you to remember. Just like you were hearing, he was asking, will you trust me? Remember who I am. I'm healer. I'm faithful. I'm still doing new things. I love that he read that scripture. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. It's not that he's a new God, but every morning his mercies are new. Every morning he meets us as healer. This afternoon, he's meeting you as healer, as all-powerful, as present, as father, as good, as fit, whatever you need. So he, this morning when we're doing communion together, we're going to remember who he is. Instead of sitting in maybe what we've known for so long, whether that's about God or sitting in the familiar of dealing with I don't know, I was even thinking, I was like, man, even my eyesight, why would I just take that on as like, ah, well, just how it is, right? Like, I just got to wear glasses. Like, no, like, do I believe that God is who he is, who he says he is or not? You know, not wanting just to take everyday things on and just accept them. Is that, that's just the way it is. No, is God who he says he is or not? Right? And like Pastor Quentin was saying, the, the responsibility of it, how it happens and when it happens and all of that, that's not on me. That's on the Father. My, my response and our response is just to remember who he is, to think on that and to trust him and to step out in faith. So this morning as we're having communion together, as we're remembering who God is, if there is something that you heard this morning that has really jumped out at you and you're like, God me too God I I want that oh that encounter at work okay Mm, is that possible for me too like at work at, at home like can I encounter that does it have to be here on a Sunday morning does it yeah you too God you she was talking about healing and, and I've been struggling for a long time physically emotionally is that for me too yeah you too so we're going to grab a hold, just like how they, we read uh, in the beginning, um, Pastor Quentin was reading about how they, they took a hold of him, they grabbed his hand, and then he stood up, and it was the two of them together. So maybe that hand reached out was their testimony this morning, and you've heard their faith, and you're like, I'm going to grab a hold of that, because I don't have much, but maybe a mustard seed, and grab a hold of that and rise up in faith. So we're going to read this scripture. You can go ahead and peel back the top. (laughs) That exposes the bread. All right. You could do the next layer. I'm going to read this scripture. And if there is something that you this morning are saying, God, me too. Is that for me too? Then while we're partaking it, I want you to stand up as an act of faith. As an act of faith that's saying, hey, me too. I'm I'm aligning my faith with who you are this morning, God. It says, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26 says, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. This is Jesus talking. 
I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Let's begin to thank him out of our own mouths. Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you're not a God of partiality, that what you did back then, you can do right now. That what you did for our friend, for the stranger, you can do right now for us. You are not only able, but you are willing. Then he broke it in pieces. Let's break it together. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Oh, I love that. Confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me, and as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take a moment. We're going to go through. This is what I saw, so I'll just be obedient. So if there is something that's going on that uh, in your mind, if there's a trauma that needs healing, if there's something within your brain, chemicals, imbalances, Father, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body that was broken. And we speak healing, healing over our minds. We speak healing, Father, in the structure. God, you're the one who formed this mind, who created it in our mother's womb. You know how everything needs to operate. You know the chemicals that are needed, everything. I'm not a doctor, but you're God. And you are more than able. And you are willing to bring full healing in Jesus' name. Father, we speak over if there's anyone that has neck issues in here, something that's going on within their neck. Father, we thank you for straightening things out. We thank you for bringing healing in Jesus' name. Father, in their shoulders, maybe even if they're stressed, if something that they've been carrying for far too long, feeling like they're the ones who needs to be in control, that they have to carry it. Father, let that burden fall now at your feet. You could say, I release it. Laying it at your feet, Father, we thank you that your burden is easy and your yoke is light and you are more than able and willing to carry the things that are too heavy for us. Thank you for bringing healing to their bodies in Jesus' name. Father, if there's anything within the heart that is not right, spiritually or physically, right now, if, the, if you need to give your life to Jesus, if you know that you're not walking with him and you want to step into relationship, you just say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you are the son of God. I believe you came and you died and you rose again. And I make you the Lord of my life today. Freedom in Jesus' name. If there's heart issues, we pray for our pastor right now. And we speak healing over his heart in Jesus' name. Father, we know, again, not only are you willing, but you are able 
you are faithful, you are good, and God, we know that you are the God of the impossible, that what's impossible to us is possible with you. So we speak complete and total healing over his body right now in Jesus' name. Heart, be made whole. You told us to pray that it would be on earth as it is in heaven, and in heaven there's no pacemakers. So we thank you, Father, that right now on earth in this body, in Pastor Quentin, that his heart is made whole. In Jesus' name, fully functioning. In Jesus' name. Father, we claim that for anybody else in the room that's dealing with heart issues or maybe a family member, we speak healing, complete and total healing. In Jesus' name. Father, we speak over uh, our bodies. If there's an autoimmune disease, if there is something that is just not right, if there has been issues within the womb, if there's a woman in here that's been dealing with miscarriages and fertility, Father, we speak alignment in Jesus' name. We thank you that their body is a place of life, for life to flourish in Jesus' name. We thank you if there's been autoimmune disease, that their body is a place of life, of hope, of healing in Jesus' name. We command all sickness, all disease, all death to go in the name of Jesus, to loose its hold and be gone in Jesus' name. Father, we speak over if there's anyone who has hip issues, if there's anyone who has things going on in their legs, in their feet, Father, that they would be strengthened, that they would be able to stand, that things would come into alignment. Anything that's going on with their back, that their spines would be healed in Jesus' name, that they would be strengthened. Alignment in Jesus' name. Alignment in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for healing marriages. Thank you for restoration in families. You are not just able, you are willing because for your crazy love for us. So we claim it. We claim it because of the covenant that we have with you. Because your body was broken. Because your blood was spilled. You didn't do that for some people. Just for some times. You did it for all. That we may have life and life more abundantly. So we claim that. We say, Jesus, me too. Me too. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.